Hello, hello, and welcome to the London Girls podcast. I am one half of the London Girls. My name is Zainab. And I am the other half of the London Girls podcast. I am Janice. How are you, Janice? I'm okay. I'm pretty good this time around, this second lockdown. Um, How have you been? I feel like life is moving in a very slow way like we're in a dream and things are moving slowly and every day you wake up and and it's the same thing happening every single day but you can't get out of the dream but also i feel like the workload hasn't reduced as dreamy and kind of stagnant as things are yeah i feel like the workload is almost doubled because there's so many processes now Mm -hmm. to get things done safely yeah. In this time of COVID. So it, it still feels tiring. It is very exhausting. It is, there's definitely days where I feel like I just don't... I don't have enough energy to give any anything to anyone. And then there's days where I realise that I actually need to shake myself, get, uh, like get out of that funk and put some music on, have a little dance party or have have a glass of something. Or just speak to friends, have a video chat, have have some connection, go for a walk, just get back into something that feels a bit more normal, something that's part part was part of my regular life. But I think it's just the sitting at home, working from home, and then staying at home all day every day is very mundane and very tiring. Even though you're only going from room to room, it's still very tiring. And that's why I think, for me, going into work this time, so the first lockdown I wasn't in work. I was, mm-hmm. I didn't have to work from home or anything because I work in a school. The systems aren't really up and running for the first lockdown, especially for my role anyway. Mm-hmm. But now this time around, obviously, schools are going to be the last thing to close. So I'm, in, I'm back in school, I'm back at work, and... The school's working really hard to keep things safe. I do think the workday gives me a sense of routine. That yeah. helps. The, the route, Having a routine out of my house is really useful. But I'm also adding, I'm adding jogs in the morning um, just to kind of give me that boost of energy for the day as well for facing a day, you know, in an office, in an environment where we're dealing with a pandemic. I've really felt the need for exercise for it, to, to like, cope with it. And how does it feel? Like, what what hours do you wake up in the morning to go for a job? How does it feel when you you do that? I mean, I wake up at 5.45 to 6 in order to get out and jog like it never happened. The aim is to exercise like it never happened in the day and then get on with the day, Um, which is something I've learned from my husband. Like, I don't have that kind of discipline naturally. I wasn't interested in jogging or running in secondary school when they had us do the cross-country run I walked so <laughs> you know I have I had no interest um so it's something I've really slowly been picking up and just realizing how impactful it can be mm-hmm. it's mainly my heart rate I do love seeing my heart rate come down I do love you know the changes it not only just like physical or what I see But even my periods, I have lighter periods as a result of it as well. They're not so painful when I don't exercise. They're awful. 
and just recognizing that that's how I want to feel yeah is helping kind of anchor me back to that that routine again how about you I mean like I know you've always danced you've always danced like even before lockdown to you know bring joy to your day to bring that boost to your day dancing saves my life honestly I, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't move and dance and it doesn't always have to be like a heavy sweat out all my all my curls type of dance it's sometimes just like a little groove you know like just keeping the body moving and allowing the limbs to go back and forth and you know like a little head knock um sorry head rock and it's it's like I'm like in a in a musical theater like you know going from one room in the house to another cooking but then also like breaking out (laughs) into song and dance and I'm quite lucky my partner is is kind of similar to me so we just can have as much fun as possible and there's no judgment there's no shame it is it is the little spark of joy that that gets me through life dancing and music Speaking of music, have you what have you been listening to lately? Um, I'm letting Apple Music just give me these pre-made playlists based on what's in my in my um what do you call it in my library already. Okay. So it's suggesting things that I wouldn't have usually picked out. I'm not listening to the usual stuff that I have at the minute, and it's just upbeat, up tempo stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get the just for exercise, I mainly listen in the car, um, and that's like for going to work. But for my runs, just upbeat, up tempo, hip hop. Usually, I'm still listening to Azealia Banks. She has some amazing tracks off her earlier albums, which are great for jogs. In fact, she's a big part of my my jogging playlist. Um, you you yeah. mentioned Azealia Banks and. I second that because that first mixtape, Fantasy, was sensational. Still is an amazing listening experience. And um, for me, just female rap in general has been getting me through this lockdown. I I, I reckon I could do like a whole episode on, on female rap. For me, the importance and the value and my appreciation of female rap or women rap, as I ref- prefer to call it. Um, Especially when there's so many fails, like, with the men who represent. I just, I I often don't turn to that for mm-hmm. my, or when I am listening to, I'm having to accept certain things that I'm listening to, accept certain things that I wouldn't usually tolerate outside of music. Exactly. But female rap tends not to do that to me at all. Um... So yeah, I mean, definitely increasing. There's a drill song, mm-hmm. and it's I don't know who I so I don't know drill, mm-hmm. but it pops up on my playlist, and it's the girl speaking like French, and she's I don't know what the song is. We oui, we. Oh my gosh! It just says I'm like thunder twat in the chorus, but it's just it's kind of aggressive, but also really sexy and fun, and she's talking about. 
Yeah, and she's. I have to, if I find the name of the song, we can link it. But every time that pops up, I'm really surprised because I don't listen to drill. I don't get drill. But when that song pops up with her, yeah, when that song pops up with her, I love, I love listening to it. Bonjour, ça va? Heard you wanna manage it, I've done the tour. He tell me we we mama. If you broke, nigga, no fi passa. Tell him suck a blah. One thing I can't stand is a broke nigga. Tell a fuck boy au revoir. He call me the creme de la creme and turn out a turn my sibuku trebien. Good girl, but I be a badass for him. That's why he fly me up to Paris again to climb up on the Eiffel Tower. Ride it slow for half an hour. Fuck in the kitchen in the shower. Make a Niger girl say oh la la. I like to play. I like it rough. Don't touch me gently. My creme brulee. It tastes so buff. That's why he at me. Get one thing straight. Watch what you say. You don't wanna offend me. Make no mistake. Boy, I been gang from day. You don't need to protect me. Bonjour, ça va? That's like the only drill song I'm listening to right now. So, so yeah, female rappers are saving my playlist. Definitely. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a drill big drill fan myself, but I am the type of person that if I hear a drill song that has a catchy beat, I will indulge <laughs> because I think I think at the end of the day, music is, is supposed to be about fun. I, I'm not always looking to to find um, lyrical content that moves me or is thought-provoking. I think, first and foremost, music should just be about fun. And so there have been a few female or women drill artists who have caught my attention, who are gaining a lot of popularity. First and foremost, I'd like to mention a young British Nigerian rapper called Shabo. She, that's it's her it's her song are you sure yes we're gonna have to stick this in now because it's i think it's her song we're gonna have to stick in i think she yeah. is incredible and she does drill right yes she does drill i mean you could call it a i think it's a blend of different genres it's drill i hear hip-hop hip-hop in there and i, I she recently uh released a track called dobale and it's uh it's got some afrobeat influence afrobeat sound i wouldn't straight up call it afrobeats but there is afrobeat element in the in the song so i reckon she could do anything that she set her mind to but the girl can rap she can rap and she has confidence today i love it i'm, I'm obsessed with her actually I'm pretty sure she's Nigerian, the girl that I've been listening to on this run. So yeah, we need to stick that in. Um, the, have you heard of Ivorian Doll? I've heard the name. I don't think I have any of her. I don't think I've listened to any of her music. You might hear about her through a lot of like uh youtube beef and influencer beef that tends to happen on the scene but ultimately she's a very talented young rapper and i think that she has something about her she has star quality she has something that's like 
very playful. She reminds me of the of the very young Nicki Minaj in a way. Okay. Very playful, very uh, sassy. Even though I kind of hate that word now, but yeah, I'll still use it. Sassy, but uh, she. One thing I do like about her is that I can hear her progression. I can hear her rapping getting better and better and better. When she first started, she I think she had her sights on what she wanted to do, but her production levels have increased. Her performances are amazing. I think she she did Wireless this year, or the online version of Wireless. Yeah, she's definitely one to watch. I've worried I've Dole is going places. I don't fuck around with no dickhead gal who took a bag of shit on road. Walking round in your big drip, but I heard that shit so low. I'm on rule it. I got thick fries and bullets, juicy, cute, cut a bitch animal cruelty. Ain't no riller, big bad driller, snatch your wig, big big killer. Type your nigga in my mirror, send him back in time for dinner. Body bag these bitches, I don't chit chat with them snitches. Body bag these bitches, lead them all to their bitches. What I will say, I was listening to an individual called Queen. Queen Hervey or Queen Herbie. Mm-hmm. And I actually, she's American. I believe she's American. And I had heard the track without seeing her. Mm. And then when I did see her, I realized it was the singer from the band Carmen. Okay. So Carmen used to do acoustic piano versions of hip hop songs. And I guess they could be accused. Not necessarily them, but maybe people who enjoy them, of being able to consume those hip hop songs that would usually be sung by black singers in this white package. Okay, Um, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I know who Queen Herbie is. She does she have like a really gothic style? She she looks it, but it's kind of gothic with obviously more. I guess you'd call it street urban influences, but um. She's completely done a 360 in terms of, or a 180 rather, in terms of her style mm-hmm. from what it used to be when she was with Carmen. And I think her, so Carmen was a, a husband and wife duo. And now I think he's still producing, but she's the forefront of it. I actually really love the visuals. I love the uh, the songs. But now that I've realised what it what it is, yeah, it's like, it's a little bit tainted because I think it's a little bit... It feels a bit icky. I know it that feels, feeling. It feels very contrived what she's doing, but it, it does sound great. But what she's doing sounds contrived, and it's like ah, I I remember what you were doing before. And maybe she, I'm sure she has a real love for hip hop. I'm sure she does. She actually raps really well. Um, I think a lot of the stuff she's producing now is quite independent. Mm-hmm. But I remember what she was before, and this turnaround is a little bit suspicious. I guess yeah, a little bit suspicious of it. Now that I can see what it is. But yeah, that, that pops up in my in my run playlist a lot too. She's got a song called uh, Sade. Right. It's called Sade. And yeah, it's enjoyable. It's really fun. But I wish I hadn't seen the detail of who it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, that's getting me through my runs. That's getting me through the beginning of my day, setting up my day. Um, and giving me routine. Still on the subject of female rap, um, Nicki Minaj has just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of her debut album, Pink Friday. Okay. And 
when that album came out, I wasn't. I, w- I wouldn't have called myself a Nicki Minaj fan because I, l- I like to. F- well, I'm a Bob now. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I'm a, I've become a Bob now, but I'm not. I'm not the type of Bob that was what the Barbs were like years ago. The Barbs back in the day were a group of Nicki Minaj fans who were somewhat akin to the be- the Beehive, the Bayhive. Sure. For those who don't really know what we're talking about, Beyonce's fans are. Uh, I don't know if they're officially or unofficially called the Bayhive, but they can be really, really uh, protective of their queen. <laughs> they're they're a militia. They are. They are. And I'm not. And I'm not that serious about looking large in the sense that I like. I'll come on social media to protect. No, I've got other things to do in my life. But I'm a Barb in the sense that I really do appreciate Nicki Minaj's music and I think that she is one of the best rappers of all time. Not one of the best women rappers of all time, one of the best rappers of all time. Don't at me, don't message me, I don't want to hear anything. (laughs) But yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. I've been listening to uh, a lot of her catalogue this year and a lot of her features. I think this is where Nicki Minaj really shines. She she's the queen of features and she's been on everybody's music whether it's beyonce jay-z kanye west um katie perry um avril lavigne uh yes oh my god nikki nikki much is a very versatile artist she's very versatile and i know she has a tendency to kind of steal the show as well when she gets on these features she does because she her skill set is immaculate her wordplay is hilarious and and you know i all i all often think like she's definitely someone who has pushed female rap forward in the sense that we now have a larger community or industry for female rap like i'm seeing a lot more women come through which i'm happy about e.g megan the stallion um oh my god there's there's a whole list of women who i could name but i my brain isn't functioning so fast right now (laughs) but i think also she's obviously of the new school and it's it's been a huge influence for these new school female rappers that are coming through and she came through at a time where she was pretty much the only one that's the thing there there was was a large gap yeah there was a large gap in the industry for a very very long time and you know we had prior to Nicki Minaj we did have amazing rappers such as Missy Elliott and Lil Kim and also Foxy Brown who I and also even before that Queen Latifah like I grew up listening to these women but then things really died down towards the end of the 90s and you didn't really you didn't really feel like industry was really in support of female rap I mean you have you had artists that would come out and and do really well like Eve and and Trina and but it's not it didn't really feel like they had they were taking up they were allowed to take us up as much space as maybe they wanted to but yeah they were kind of obviously men dominated the scene and I think now the female rappers who are coming out are also appealing to very, very wide audiences. Yeah. Beyond 
perhaps what the previous ones did reach mm-hmm. because of ideas around what hip hop was and ideas around oh you know you're using the word bitch and mm. this isn't about women you know in terms of women's liberation or where it was at that time yeah um, and where it is now and the spectrum of it now a lot of these female rappers coming through are just appealing to such a wide audience I love it I love it so and much because there can be so many of them at the same time because not everybody is going to look like a Nicki Minaj or be like a Nicki, Nicki Minaj. You have other female rappers who who just are there to rap and they're there to serve lyrical content and storytelling through their music. When I think of the likes of Little Sims, who is amazing, oh my God, who was also very amazing in Top Boy. <laughs> I have to mention that. And I think about artists like baby mother as well who yeah. who who represent a slightly different side of hip-hop I, I just think that there's more space there's more room there's more opportunity it's just an amazing time for for women rap right now yeah i'm i'm happy to hear it and see it and i'm just happy to see where it's like when you mentioned the likes of baby mother i think mm-hmm. her stuff is so like it's not concerned with men. No. It's not, like, when I say it's not concerned with, you know, how can I put this? Just she is literally just rapping about her life. Yeah. Her experiences. The stuff is kind of dark sometimes. The visuals are quite dark sometimes as well. It's very, very I don't give a F type of rap. I'm yeah. going to serve you as I come. Like, I'm going to serve you what I've got to serve you, and I'll come as I come, and she's just confident. Like, when she's rapping, you can see it in her face that she does this. This is who she is. She's yeah. a rapper. And all her kids mm-hmm. <laughs> on her Instagram. Yeah. Just, she, her real life is, is there, and it's not about being this kind of polished... Not necessarily polished, but she, she's not trying to appeal to men. No, because... And and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But I I do like the stance she's taken of her interest is not that. Not so that she don't get guys or Mm. doesn't have... It's not her focus. It's not her focus Um, because I think that that is something that does get... uh, That does get a lot of light and attention is that type of rap. Appealing appealing to men through your artistry. Like when I think of... When I think about the Cardi B's and the Saweeties, their type yeah. of rap and their image is very much about sexuality. Yeah. And not all rap has to be that way. Not all women rap has to be that way. And I'm just glad that we're getting to see a wider spectrum of women rap Definitely. in 2020. It's wonderful. So, should we take a huge left turn here into natural hair? Absolutely, because some things are happening in the natural hair community. And I need you to help me understand what is going on. First of all, before we can even go into what is happening, we need to talk about where it started and how we got here, because that's really important. So the natural hair community which I, I would say I was a part of, actually. You were. When I was, like, posting my videos of how I do my hairdos and how I moisturise and whole tutorials. My goodness, tutorials. And obviously tutorials are still a big thing. Um, 
and and the content that's there was obviously intended to help people who were not used to seeing or even feeling their own hair because they'd had relaxers or had never you know had it in this natural state so didn't know what they were dealing with and it was a huge resource for teaching so many about how to manage their hair and it was usually women with 4C hair at the end of that spectrum you know not waves or curls but 4C afro very tightly coiled very tightly tightly coiled coiled, springy prone to dryness and breakage that kind of Mm -hmm. hair that needs very specific care Um, and it was a huge resource for helping women with hair like that and now I think now as it's you know, moving more into, I'm seeing a lot of YouTubes around the science of hair and about things like about porosity, so much information um, that is coming just from people's experiences, from their own research. But there's this turn, like you say, that's happening. Um, and I think it's partially to do with that original community mm-hmm. and that original texture that was like at the forefront of it yeah almost being a little bit hijacked it has been hijacked it's been hijacked and and co-opted and i think that a lot of the groundwork that women with tightly coiled hair put laid down like the foundations that were laid down have been used and abused for money making Mm. and attention and and when you say attention like hair that's not 4c being labelled as 4C in the tags. Exactly. That it gets... Because obviously 4C hair is the hair that needs very specific care, usually. So people are desperately looking for this kind of thing. So the views of those videos go up once you see that the tag is 4C. 4C and then you get there hair and it's not 4C. is often... Yeah, 4C hair is, 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 a, is a tagline because, like you said, is it is, in my opinion, the most unique hair in the whole wide world. There is no other hair type that can replicate the 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 structure or like the image of 4C. You cannot replicate this type of hair. It's so special and it's for me personally it's a very sacred type of hair. Very very sacred hair. And it also needs extra love, like you said, extra love and very specific care and attention. Why would I, you say it's sacred? I think it's sacred because this is the hair that my mother's 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 mother would have had because this is the hair that keeps your head cool under the hot sun. I don't have tightly, tightly cooled hair, but I realize that, you know, being in hotter climates, that this hair protects your head, you know, and it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose. And at a time where, like, we didn't have advancements of of uh, fashion or whatnot, it was your hair that protected your head. Like, if you look at um, the ancient Egyptians, they would make wigs that will replicate their own hair to protect their... But it was also part of adornment. But I also do believe that the wigs would serve as protection for hot climates. I, I, it's sad to say I'm going to go all the way in and I really do believe that the natural hair community has been desecrated, unfortunately. Wow. I guess. I believe it has been disrespected and desecrated by 
by corporations who've stepped in and they've seen the power of what black women are doing and they've decided that they want a piece of the pie. But what they've done is they've used image or they've just used women with looser, uh, looser curled hair to sell, to sell their products. Because these women who are often racially ambiguous tend to appeal to wider markets. And suddenly you just have everybody wanting in. And now you've got so many celebrities who are starting hair care lines. But they're making hair care lines that I don't know if, if their products are going to do anything for my hair. I don't know. This is, is this the thing about marketing, isn't it? You can, you can make all these claims on the bottle. But will it actually do what it says? Who knows? And also, would something from the pound shop, if used correctly, do the same thing? Exactly, because are they have the same ingredients. It? Yeah, are we are we just doing this because of who is who who the celebrity is, what the person on the bottle looks like, what the influencer has looked like, the outcomes that they've seen on their hair? Does their hair look like my hair? Should I really be following that? Mm-hmm. Even though it's being pushed towards me, it's you know I've actually. I think now I've kind of gone through all of my products and I'm going back to what I did as a kid, which was oils. I'm yeah. really going back to oils. I and love to hear that because I've done the exact same. Products. I've done the exact same. I bought Blue Magic and this year and that's probably been one of the best purchases I've made, buying yeah. Blue Magic because it's got castor oil, shea butter, aloe vera... And one other thing that I can't remember, it's, it's, it's a particular brand because Blue Magic, they have a whole range. There's so many different variations of their product. There's the one that's actually blue. I'm not using that one. I'm using one that's white and it looks like a white Vaseline, a white thick Vaseline, but it yeah. smells incredible. And once I've hydrated my hair and I've added um, whatever, like butters or um, uh, what do you call it? Like the puddings that I usually put to further hydrate, I seal it with... Um, blue magic and nothing is getting in and getting out after that and I'm re- I was really asking myself like why did we just decide to stop using grease and oil all of a sudden like why did we divest from grease dude when my mother was putting oil on my hair and then blow drying my hair on high heat I had so much hair honestly I don't know I've been <laughs> trying to avoid petrolatum and mineral oils and I feel like my hair isn't as thick as it used to be when mm. I think about it. And that's why I've kind of just, yeah, I'm simplifying my regime. I'm not looking too much at these influences because the aim there is money, yeah, not the health of my hair. And that is, and that is it. Of, yeah. And then this whole thing of just this announcing that you're leaving the natural hair community or leaving, you know, this, this movement it was something that really stood out to you. Like, you'd been watching a lot of the videos, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And I just saw it coming up in, like, my su- suggested videos on YouTube because this is not something that I would Google. Why are women leaving in that? No, this is just something that just, I just kept on coming up. So I guess it was getting a lot of traction. And you know how YouTube works. YouTube always promotes things that are being watched, you know? So if something has already has a million views... The, the way the YouTube algorithm works is that they will just make sure that more people see that video. I don't know why they do that, but YouTube clearly wanted me to watch that video. And when I watched that video, I I was able to see two sides of the story. 
So there's women who have decided to divest from the nat- the YouTube natural hair community or the online natural hair community because they don't feel like it's there for them. They don't feel like they are getting the respect or opportunities that they deserve. And they also think that it's coming at a cost. Their participation is coming at a cost in the sense that doing multiple videos a week means styling the hair often and therefore hair possibly breaking in the process and they're thinking okay i'm doing all these videos making all this content to get something but my hair is suffering and i'm not getting what i really want but i'm seeing women who have looser curls or just slightly different hair to me and they're going further ahead so who is the natural commu- natural hair community really for? We could t- we could we could uh, like look into the subject of colorism. We could also look into the subject of texturism, if that's a, even a word. But there's just something not going right here. There's something something fishy going on. Yeah. I think also because you're saying there's like a, there's two um, there's two sets that are leaving. So you've got those who are finding that this community no longer really is for them and serves them. And then what was the other one? Is it more like you lot are too catty and they're leaving? Is that kind of the vibe of the second lot who were leaving? I don't remember anything about that, but that that could have been part of it. I think people, what I was finding from what I was seeing, it was more like, oh, you know, people being very judgmental about what natural hair is. So if you right. have colour, in that, ca- that kind of catiness, it's kind of the restrictions on what you would view as natural hair. Is it just about keeping your texture? Is it also about not adding colour? And just the restrictions that could seem to come in from, I guess, the hardcore natural hair community, I guess. That was the other side I saw kind of doing videos, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the first lot, which is... I guess some originals who are finding it doesn't really serve them as a platform anymore. Yeah. That's been a big big chunk of it. And this whole thing around colorism and texturism. And yeah, I know you say, is it a real word? I think it is. I think also for new people who have maybe done a big chop and are not expecting the hair that they you know, not expecting not knowing what to expect in terms of the hair that grows from their head because they haven't ever really dealt with it mm-hmm. seeing all these videos that are promoted more for looser curl textures it can be really I guess disheartening as well for a new natural yeah. someone who's newly trying to manage their hair and it, it can be damaging in that way because this is what's pushed Yeah, and and that does also kind of link to colorism as well when you know the thing that doesn't look like you if you are someone who is not the mainstream not the the what's the um the word i'm looking for like the um the the oh the not desired i don't want to say desired because it's not about desire it's about what people consume what they're comfortable with consuming if you're not what people are comfortable consuming you're not finding that that content as easily the algorithm it might not be sending it to you because that's not the popular content on youtube and it can just be yeah hugely disheartening for a new natural to come and try and find this yeah um so i think a lot of the videos are i would say the more sciencey based videos 
are what I'm kind of leaning towards more personally. Mm-hmm. And what are they? Yeah, so the science videos, I find them very interesting because they're really teaching me things that I realise that is the knowledge that you need to actually grow hair and not just have nice looking heads. I mean, you need to grow hair to have like nice looking hair, but I think retaining more retaining lengths. Yeah. And having healthy hair, as you mentioned. So besides por- what is porosity? Could you explain How your that hair to me? absorbs and lets go of moisture of water. Okay. So do you have high porosity hair where it goes in easily and it leaves easily and then you end up dry? Or are you medium porosity where it goes in and stays and you're kind of okay, you're in the middle? Mm. Or do you have low porosity hair where it's hard to get it in in the first place mm. um, because your strand is... And it's, it's to do with the cuticle and how raised the cuticle is in its natural state. So high porosity hair tends to have a cuticle that's open. Mm. Um, and it can sometimes be damaged hair, those high porosity hair. That's, that's like processed hair from bleaching or from perming tends to the cuticle tends to be open because the, the bonds have changed things have um been done to it which leave it quite vulnerable so moisture is going in and just coming out and then medium porosity hair which most of us have if you haven't processed your hair most of us have medium to low porosity hair but low porosity hair is where the strand is so sealed the cuticle is so sealed that moisture doesn't even get in so then you wow. have to use things to lift the cuticle to get moisture in then reseal your cuticle to keep the moisture in. So things like using a more acidic pH okay. or using heat to lift the, the cuticle, get the moisture in. That's what people use steam, I guess, mm-hmm. to like condition their hair. Um, yeah, so that, that I love I love the stuff around porosity. I love the stuff around which oils are good because of the you know the balance of is it lipoic acid. Mm-hmm. and oleic acid all of that stuff i love looking into that stuff because i think it's it's not about texture it's not about what it looks like it's just about the health of the strand yeah like i really love that stuff have we and just I even, I, have we discussed the fact that you're actually a qualified hairdresser i don't think we've ever <laughs> mentioned that on the podcast because because i i want people who are listening to know that you you have trained and you have yeah, a, a qualification Randomly. in this stuff I randomly picked up a course <laughs> in hairdressing last year after I quit my job and then had more time for a living um, and got another job where I the balance, the work-life balance was better. I was able to pick up this course. And yeah, I learned lots of interesting new things about how chemicals work. I'm still really terrified of bleaching hair and like perming hair. Um, and so if I ever did kind of pursue it, I don't think I'd pursue that part of it. It would be more around care yeah. and protective styling. Um, but yeah, I, I studied it for like a year, half a year, an academic year. And um, it was really fun. I felt like I was finally kind of doing my passion. But That's now with like the pandemic, I'm not that interested in doing anyone's hair, to yeah. be honest. But I, I guess you, you have the knowledge... You have the yeah. knowledge and that's the most important thing because ultimately you're still going to have to take care of your hair and your daughter's hair. Mm. And yes. you just, like when you look at it, not to sound too mystical, but when you look at it, like your knowledge can like change like your, your, gen, your future generations because you're going to be doing your daughter's hair differently to how your mum would have done your hair. And then she's going to do 
her daughter's hair differently. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you've bought something the path in. Has changed a bit. Yeah, like no more, no more hot combs in Greece <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I mean, my mother's care of my hair. She actually really didn't want me to have a relaxer. Um, it was my auntie that convinced her to do that. But my mother's care of my hair was so rough because she didn't know how to comb it. Yeah. Like she knew how to comb it, how she would comb it, but it wasn't. It was not for my scalp. Yeah. Um, and then I remember I had the experience of my godmother doing my hair once, and my godmother had a full blown afro, whereas my mother had uh, a curly perm originally. Yeah. And my godmother had an afro, and she did my hair, and that's when I first saw someone comb from the ends, uh-huh. going up towards the scalp. My mother used to comb the other way. Yeah, so, I think all mothers, well, my mother yeah. certainly did that at certain points until she learned that it was causing me a lot of pain. But when you realise yeah. that starting from the bottom and then working your way up, it's a it's a painless experience. Yeah, and it was just, that was such an eye-opener for me. I'd never experienced having my hair done and it was like I couldn't feel the comb in my head. And, I mean, I think I still did relax my hair after that because my godmother arranged my hair once and then it was right back to my mum again. I was like, nah, I can't take this. I want to relax her. But I only relaxed twice and then I basically, you know, went back to natural. The broken, the relaxed ends broke off and it was just my natural hair eventually. But I think that experience with my godmother was actually quite key in me being able to not be attached to the relaxer. I only had it done twice. I didn't see the point. And then it was like such a big palaver to keep doing this process. That like going natural wasn't like a kind of big, oh, I'm having a big chop and this whole big spiritual experience. Just like, ah, mm-hmm. this relaxes too much trouble. And let me go back to being natural. Yeah. And I was like 14. And yeah, just having that knowledge. I think YouTube has been a huge part of that in terms of, new, well, especially, what, 15 years ago now? Yeah. When I'm making videos. No, I'd say 10 years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago when I was making videos. It was so huge. And it was it was just such a huge resource of sharing, people willing to share with others about how to manage it. Do you remember how KimiTube was really educating us back in the day, but we weren't really trying to hear it? We were just trying to... Yeah. We just wanted long hair, right? But KimiTube yeah. was doing the whole diagram every... <laughs> She had the whole diagram in her bathroom or her living room or, or whatever and was trying that to really... She drew, sh- and she drew it as She well. drew the diagram to show us, look, look look at what your hair looks like under a magnifying glass and this is what you need to do to take care of the hair. But people kind of, not mocking her, but not... I don't think people were really... Ready. Like, hit. Yeah, yes, that's the word. They were not really ready to hear what she's saying. But then she went ahead and created a whole product line which has been really successful so far. Yeah. She was ahead of the uh, time, uh, slightly ahead of the curve of people. everybody wanting to have their own hair care line, I think. And I love that her focus wasn't texture, it was just science. Her focus was science. Yeah. And, yeah, right now, that's it just seems more about marketing, mm-hmm. definitely. And that kind of innocence is gone from the natural hair community. So where do you see things going from here? If all of our beloved natural hair youtubers are deciding to make less and less content about natural hair and deciding to diversify their youtube channels with other things where where does that leave the natural hair community like how can people still learn about progressive natural hair care 
Should people be yeah. reading books? Should people be doing courses? Or should we really be trusting so-called influencers on YouTube? Well, I guess, like what you say with me and my daughter, those women who were there 10 years ago learning and providing content and, you know, learning on YouTube, they are now, you know, they've got daughters now and they've got kids now and they're doing their hair and that information is filtering out and you've got little kids doing their hair on YouTube as well, showing how they do their hair. I think the foundation's been set and yeah, these new YouTubers, influencers, I guess they can diversify because the foundation is there, the video, the content's there. I don't think it's necessarily a sad thing. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit more freedom yeah. to not have to be on the screw. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. I think definitely be clear that people are marketing things to you and selling to you. Mm-hmm. But the information is still there. People are still making things around information and, you know, doing their own little trials of things. And you take it with a pinch of salt and enjoy the content and learn for yourself about your hair. I think that's the ultimate thing. Care for it as best you can. Be patient. Uh, that, I think, uh, as someone who used to be on it and who sees it, I think that's all it could be for me is just learn for yourself. Yeah. Learn what works for you. So, lastly, we are going to look at... It was university, wasn't it? Yeah. Because to uni. a lot of people are unfortunately regretting their choice of going to university because they feel like they've been duped by the government. Some people don't feel that way, but some people yeah, do. I guess people who have degrees that you know they're working in that field feel like it's what it was needed to work in the field they currently work in. Mm-hmm. But um, I can imagine there are a lot of people on degrees, and even just having a degree, having a degree alone, obviously, I, I was talking to a friend about it the other day, just from having a degree, you're considered middle class, even if you don't necessarily feel like this, being able to continue your education beyond the compulsory age, and completing it makes you middle class. Wow. And, yeah, I don't feel it. But um, the other thing, I guess, as well, is once you have a degree and you've secured that, you're able to go on to other postgraduate studies or graduate schemes, graduate jobs. So it's not, it's not all doom and gloom in terms of getting a degree. I think just being sure it's something you definitely want to do. Yeah. And that happens by maybe taking some time after college to really think about what you want to do. Taking time off the sixth form to experience things, to maybe do an apprenticeship before you go on to a degree. And there's even things like degree apprenticeships now as well. Yes, where, where they you... pay you. To yeah, get they're a paying you. That I just think that's so fascinating. Yeah, because you can earn yes. a really good living and learn on the job. I and think it... I, when I was looking into this, it was the air traffic controller. Yeah. Role that I saw, so learning to become an air traffic controller, and I think for a young person who doesn't know what they want to study or why they're going to university like doing a degree apprenticeship where you're not you know doing something where you're paid to learn rather than making this huge investment and you're not sure where you're going and it's not a definite thing could be so useful for some people to to really figure out what they want to do before they commit 
and you know have the debt or pay all that money yeah. um, towards this thing that they're tied into basically for three years and then may never use again. Yeah, it's it is um it's an investment of debt, unfortunately, <laughs> because you get the knowledge for free, but then you are having to pay off maybe upwards of fifty grand at this point. I think more than fifty grand of debt until you're in your fifties or something like that. I don't know the exact age. Whilst studying on Zoom. Yeah. In this pandemic. Exactly. How is anyone ever going to go back to the institution again? Like, why am I here if I can do this via Zoom? Why am I paying all this money if I can do this via Zoom? Yeah. It's interesting. It's it's interesting because, like, for me, I've been doing some small courses here and there online during this pandemic and just during this whole year in in general. And I've come to the realisation that I, I want an accounting qualification because I work in the field of finance and I have enough experience and skills to do my job, but I don't have any formal qualifications in what I'm doing. And so I actually really want to be a qualified accountant. I know that's so random, but it's not. No, but that's come from your experience Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with realizing that now Mm -hmm. and looking for ways to gain that at this point. Yeah, it's uh, you already have the degree that you have, obviously, mm-hmm. and you didn't know this back then. But who? H- how many kids know this? How exactly. Many kids know at eighteen that this is what they want to do. Not everyone does. At eighteen, I mean, your brain is even still growing. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. And um, I think I think we live in a time where people studying later and you know making career switches later it's not viewed as like this kind of wishy-washy or what's wrong with you kind of it's you know people recognize we can make changes and we can discover things about ourselves later than might be expected yeah and it's exciting it's a new journey that you can go on it is i mean even like me with the hairdressing i tried it i did enjoy it yeah i now know it's not really for me yeah but i'm glad that i got to experience it whilst also having the experience I had before of how I studied before and the changes I made before. Like, it's all a journey. Not necessarily for any huge gain in the end, except my own happiness. It was, I think it was an actual highlight of my year of 2020, 2019 to 2020, before the pandemic hit. It's a real highlight. Even though it was in the evenings, it was, like, tiring. I was doing coursework and stuff. It was still so enjoyable. But um, the, the accounting course, have you looked into... Yes. Yes, definitely. And um, it was actually my boss at work who did recommend that I look into it as well because uh, he said that it's just some. It's a good thing to have, you know, for just in life because people always need numbers counted. And I'm not really in. I'm not really into numbers. If I'm honest with you, I don't really care for numbers and spreadsheets. But I like the satisfaction of getting results and having things in order and having things reviewed and checked you know it's just like general bookkeeping work but on a very intense level like auditing yeah and i would like to have the qualification because i think that the way the world is going industries are going to be moving further towards remote working and and this is something that i could do remotely 
Exactly. And that's why I was even like, even though I've never been a computer person in terms of like building computers or anything like that, or even looking into how software works, although I've always worked with computers because of making music and just being creative, like thinking about remote roles, like how could I get into tech? has been something that's been popping up for me even more and more. Yeah. Obviously inspired by the pandemic. At one, at one point I was looking into it as well, but I, I just don't have the patience to start from scratch, which is, which I think is kind of a bit of a flaw on my part. You know, like people say like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to do a course that takes three years, just do the course because you're still going to be, you're still going to be end up in the same place. So you might as well end up with the qualification if that makes sense, but I'm yeah. kind of lazy in the sense that I don't really want to start something from scratch if I don't know anything about it. That's which is enough. which is why I've turned my back on becoming a software engineer. But I, <laughs> but I think that's something that you could go for. I also think that you should look into user experience design. Oh yeah, so th- these are things I have no idea about, obviously, because I don't have a tech background at all. But you, yeah, you come across more and more of these options and these remote options. The remote working thing is really appealing to me. Mm-hmm. But you come across more and more of these courses, these tasters of things, to get a picture of, you know, things you may not have considered before without fully making that commitment yet, which is appealing to me at the minute. Um, I Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the, the new things I'm going to try. I'm really excited, excited for you It doesn't, it doesn't well. feel daunting and like, oh my gosh, I'm starting again because, I mean, what is that anyway? You know, we can, we can always be starting something. We should always be starting something new and learning. And it's, it's nice to be settled and comfortable in what you do, definitely. But I think challenging myself is something that I want to do more and more rather than settling and being comfortable all the time. Having my base, definitely having my base, but mm-hmm. challenging myself where I can is something I'm really looking forward to doing. I love that. And I, and I personally, I would say that as your friend, that's something that I really love about you. I love how you'll just randomly send me something, <laughs> like the air traffic control thing. And you know what? Even if you don't revisit the idea, it was something interesting to explore at the time. And it's just good to know that you can make that change and decide that in a year you're going to become a qualified traf- air traffic controller. It's possible. <laughs> And also just in terms of, I guess, young people coming up and knowing what their options are. There are so many more options now than when I went to uni. And I was talking to my friends. I think I sent you the the link as well. Like, university was free up until about 1998. Yeah. You could attend for free. So going to university was a no-brainer because it's free. Just Mm -hmm. go and get a degree. And I guess as the fees have gone up more and more and these other options have popped up, for people who, okay, you don't, you're not going to be a doctor. Yeah, you have to go to university to become a doctor. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, spend the amount of time, the amount of money to be properly qualified. Yeah. But if you're a young person who doesn't quite know what they want to do, rather than making that commitment of a three-year degree and, you know, over £30,000 of debt, experience something where you're being, you're being funded to learn and you're being funded to increase your skills. Mm-hmm. You know, this having this option available, these degree apprenticeships, I think is going to be a huge thing for young people who may be really put off by, you know, university fees and perhaps even considering uh, continuing study on the academic side. Yeah. 
fully on the academic side, like, you know, book reading and what kind of thing. They want to be more hands-on. Just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm loving that this option is available for people who are more hands-on and more practical, maybe, in the way that they learn. Um, and this option's available to them. It's really kind of, yeah, it's, it's expanded. For, for sure. I'm quite happy for young people. And I also think that we as society, we need to do some work around taking the stigma out of doing... Um, like temporary work so for a lot of young people who come out of college who don't know what they want to do they go and work in retail for a couple of years and unfortunately the way our government and society treats service and retail workers I think is disgusting because these are the people that you know they work in the supermarkets or they work in fast food uh places or they fold the t-shirts at h&m or gap or whatever but these are the people that make our economy they really do and we just there just needs to be a space for people who want to do this type of work and it may it may be that they don't even want to do this work but it's just something to get them by until they can figure out what they really want to do i know i've done i've done hospitality work i've done service work in the past and it's got me by in like while I was in between jobs or in between gigs or whatever you want to call it but it's there's always this feeling that people give you of like oh like you could be doing something so much better with your life well fair enough I might have bigger ideas of what I want to do with myself but don't put me down and don't place the stigma on me like you know I'm not really amounting to much just because I'm behind working behind a counter or something and even just the treatment of the people who do this type of work you know, it can be awful as well, you know, face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know, customer-facing roles. Yeah. Really, like, the lack of empathy that can sometimes appear for these people. And the pandemic has showed how necessary, how vital they are, how much they keep things ticking over. They do. I really, Yeah, I really do hope the attitudes change. And I really hope the pandemic has at least, you know, taught that these people are key. Yeah. They deserve workers rights things around like their benefits in terms of pensions and, yeah. and they need holiday pay yeah and obviously the, the uk is, is a country where i'm sure there's better protections than some other countries definitely but just reckon recognizing these people need to be properly looked after because they keep things ticking over even at the time when everything crashes they keep things ticking over for sure Okay, I think that is our time. We are at just under an yeah. hour. Yeah, we're at an hour. We actually stuck to that really well. Yeah. So we have been the London Girls Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And please stay tuned because we are going to be having some guests on in the near future. And we're hoping to get more creative with our content and just deliver just deliver different things and deliver different things and show you different sides to ourselves but thank you so much for listening we, i do appreciate it bye bye <laughs>